welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defect Podcast. Uh, my name is Winter. I'm the host of the show, Winter Phonander, uh, or as my website says now, Winter Dominus, dropping the last name because nobody outside of Ireland can pronounce it correctly. Went home to Dublin and Cork and yeah, every had, everyone didn't have a problem with it. So uh, I'm going to just stick with the first name because the first name is a bit much anyway. Not my choice. But let's just stick with Winter because the last name just adds just a spanner to the works for most people, particularly in the UK. So yeah, this is episode 65 and we'll get into who's on this episode in a second. I'm recording these links in between packing for Barcelona. I'm going over there to headline a couple of gigs and just do some more gigs, just do a few spots, enjoy myself. Doing a bit of traveling this year. Didn't go to the Edinburgh Fringe, just doing some little fringes here and there. I'm also doing the Watford Fringe on the 12th and 13th of October. And that is in the Hidden Bar at 6.30 in the evening. Same time both nights. Um, the show I'm doing is called Squeaky. It's going to be just a joke show, just a bit of fun. About 45 to 50 minutes of jokes if you want to come and down and see it. So yeah, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing another 45, which could be a little bit um, more risky stuff. It's in like, you know, just kind of a little bit ruder. I had a bit of a moment this month, actually. Uh, after I'd finished all the things that I set myself to do in August, I kind of had to have a bit of time out because I just, I burnt myself out. I had to have about me four or five days of just, just doing absolutely nothing and just sort of like being really aware of where my energy levels were. Whereas usually I'd write a list and I'd, I'd just hammer myself to get that list finished, every item on the list done. But now in the last four or five days, I was like, right, you know what, I'm not doing anything. And since those few days off I had, I've hit my list slightly differently. I've kind of done one item, had a cup of tea, sat down, maybe thought about, read something, then gone out, done another item on the list. You know, but now it's kind of nice to be conscious of where your energy levels are because usually I just go, right, I've done that one, done that one, wouldn't sit down, just keep going, keep going, go to the gym, do that. I'd just be constantly exhausting myself. So now after that, those four or five days, I've been just, you know, just reeling it in a little bit, just taking my time. Maybe this is what everyone else does. This is how everyone else lives in a sort of just, you know, kind of chilled, laid back, kind of just getting stuff done. Maybe they just hide it better. I'm always manic. I went to a, a friend of mine's first birthday for their son. And uh, <laughs> I haven't been in a big crowd of people that don't know for quite a long time. I know that sounds weird doing stand-up, but it doesn't, it's not the same. Because you have to fully interact and connect and ask about them and, and, and be introduced or wait to be introduced. Oh, it gets so complex. It's, so, it's such a complicated system. So I went to this first birthday party. There was this guy there just I was talking and my wife came with me with her daughter I thought I was being really cool you know it's like oh yeah cool chatting away and my wife looks at me and she says Winter you're like you're like a collie 
is what you're like. You, you're over the top. You're like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. And you, but in your head, she said, I know you think you're really cool and this person's just chilled out. But really that person's like, oh my God, this person's talking far too much. They're freaking me out. It's like a Labrador or a Collie with rabies and they're trying to be friendly. It's it's terrifying. So I can't help it. That I'm, I'm, I can't see myself like that. But I just, I'm just interested in people. That's all it is. That's all. It's, it, it's not really my fault. It's just just how it is. It's how I'm built. But <laughs> so I, I apparently freak everybody out whenever I meet them. That's what my wife said to me. I was like, I, I was like, okay, I'll take that on board. But you can't. That's who I am. Everyone else freaks out. Well, well, what can you do? We're all different, huh? I'm sure there's other people out there that like that as well. Just interested. Like, oh wow, I just don't leave the house that much. I think that's probably what it is. I just got a brand new website done on my live dates, my fringe dates. The comedy on the canal dates will be on there for you to look at so you can come see me live or come to the comedy on the canal because that is just going from strength to strength. We are gone from a 33-seater to a 50-seater and the venue owner says we might even open up a little bit to get more people in. It's going great. I love that gig. It's great. I mean, it's only just down the road for me in Hemel Hempstead as well. The Fisheries Wharf Cafe. The next headliner we've got is Al Lubel. He's been on Letterman. He's been on all the big showcases. I remember seeing him on Dr. Katz, and I think that was in the 80s. He's been going years. He's brilliant. Very, very funny act. Come see him on Tuesday, the 17th of September, half seven. Get your tickets. They'll sell out pretty quickly. But this is episode 65 with a very funny comedian, Stephen Carlin. I first saw Stephen when I was just starting. Absolutely brilliant. Then he's been on the Alternative Comedy Experience. He's toured everywhere. He's done about nine Fringe shows. By the time this has been released, he's probably done 10 or 11 Fringe shows. He's brilliant. Very funny act. Very inventive. Very creative. If you haven't seen Stephen before, go and check some of his stuff out. Just went around his house. We had a pot of tea. Now, follow him. Check him out. Go see him live. He's very funny. And if you see his name on a bill, buy a ticket and get your ass in that venue. You can follow this podcast on Twitter. We're at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Dominus on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, Facebook. If you want to donate to the podcast, you can. You can also give me money face to face. I had some money given to me when I did the Leicester Comedy Festival last year. People come up and gave me money in my hand. That was very nice. That was very nice of them. It was nice. I, you know, it's nice that people are appreciating the podcast. I know I had a bit of a break, but it's come back now. There's a lot of podcasts coming. And this is episode 65 with a very funny comedian, Stephen Carlin. Okay, Stephen Carlin, welcome to the Comedy Defect. Thank you, thank you for having me in your house, man. How oh, you, well, it's great to have you in my house. It's the first time you've been here. It is, why, man. It is. Why is it taking you so long? I don't know, man. I haven't been invited. I've been technically I've been invited myself. Haven't yeah, I? yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's been remiss of me not to yeah. invite you. I did think that too, but yeah. you know, it's funny. You brought me some tea, which is nice, and the, the pot that you don't really like the colour of. But you know, I gave you my favourite mug, though. Oh, did I accidentally take it? No, no, I, I gave it to you it's a, a, because. Oh, thanks. What you've got is. A, a Tommy Cooper, but it's a hamster, but yeah, done up as Tommy Cooper. Yeah, and uh, I've got the Bates Motel, which isn't as good because that's cycle. That's. <laughs> but the, I do like the, I do like the series. Did you? What do you think of the film? The new film? I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen the new film? Oh, okay. I've only seen the original, which I only watched a couple of years ago, like literally about two years ago. And even although I knew know what's going to happen, it was it was still really good. If, imagine you'd never seen it, 
when it came out at the, the time, it would have been like great impact. It's Hitchcock, isn't it? It is, yeah, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, 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 who lived in Leighton. He was from Leighton in yeah. East London and started here in Britain, but then I think went to America because of the finances. And suitably warped individual, I think. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure, definitely, yeah. First time I met you was at uh, the um, Electric Mouse Westminster gig. All right. Yes. That. that was the first time I saw you. It was over with my wife. And we were like, we were just like, oh, you're great. You were great then, you know. And it's a shame that place closed down, isn't it? Like, it was such a lovely little uh, room to do new material in. It was great, yeah, mm. on, a, on a Monday night. And I, mm. I, despite living in London for 17 years, I really still get excited when I see Big Ben. You, you can't mm. see it at the moment. It's obscured by scaffolding. But I used to like doing that gig. Mm. And then coming out and go, oh, I'm in central London. Because you, yeah. you can be in London for a long time and not go into the centre and forget you're sort of mm. in that place that's on the telly but yeah. I, I love that little gig I've met so many people there like so many acts that was the first time we met so it was a real um, junction like, yeah I was going to say not social <laughs> butterflies <laughs> <laughs> that's a person it's a, a butterfly junction yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a nexus no I read I, I love that gig so much man it was just such a it just felt right and it? it was just close enough to kind of like you didn't have to overdo anything it was just it just felt like you just dropping it into their ears you were just like oh this is nice it just it just had a nice uh, sense of occasion about it the place yeah there's something nice about it, a little basements are sacred mm-hmm. in comedy I think yeah sure. and most of the best gigs are in basements there's something like going down the stairs and feel like you're in something underground and a bit Illicit. Uh, a penthouse just doesn't do it for Calm down a roof. Done about is it eight shows now, is that right? Uh, Solo shows, shows? yeah, it must have must have been, yeah. I'm starting to get the hang of it winter. <laughs> Every year I go, Oh no, oh no I know what I'm doing. And yeah. then next year I go, Oh no I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh last year I didn't know what I was doing. This year I said that to um, an Edinburgh friend I was doing a little spot on a show and it was an American act who was I think she was quite new and I was getting towards the end of the fringe and I just turned up and went oh I don't, I don't know what I'm doing and she was like oh, oh really you don't know what you're doing oh why why you <laughs> 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 think it very literally but um, yeah. it's kind of true as well isn't it you never quite know what you're doing you just get closer to knowing yeah mm. which is I think which is good about it I don't think you yeah, I had one of those gigs on Thursday, and I thought, oh, fine, I finally nailed comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it was that good. And yes. then it's like, Saturday. Eh, 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 eh. Yeah. Too, too confident. <laughs> you're just carrying it in every part of your, every cell of your body. You're walking onto the stage with it. Look, you don't know, you don't know, you weren't there Thursday. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> it's the infinite Rubik's Cube, isn't it, really? It's like, you know, it's constantly just shifting. Oh, I've got that side done. Oh, fuck, the other side's fucked now as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a seesaw of misery. <laughs> so I came to see your show last year, uh, Adventures with Autism. Is oh, the, the Rise of the Autistic. Sorry, Rise of the Autistic. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's, that's the, else. That's the ten, or was that the title? It should have been. Adventures, that sounds like a book. That sounds like a book deal. If I'd called it that, I would have had... Uh, it sounds like sort of Famous Five, or a kind of piss take of that, doesn't it? Adventures with Autism. But uh, yeah, The Rise of the Autistic. Well, thank you for coming in. That was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. It was really yeah. good. And you, this year you did Opinionator. Yeah, yeah. And how was Opinionator? I didn't get to see it this year. It was good. I mean, I think it's what I was trying to do was kind of satirise the idea that we're all opinionated now with social media and stuff, and that mm. almost in a way the opinion matters more than... Facts now, mm-hmm. but my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty of that as anybody. So it is uh, quite a lot. I mean, I'm doing a lot of it in 
club sets now. I mean, quite. I mean, sometimes there's bits of Edinburgh shows you can't really do in mm. clubs. Bits of it you can. I try to sort of scavenge my own <laughs> solo show for mm. club bits. But this mm. this one, I think there's a lot of it mm. gone into my set. In fact, I did downstairs at the King's Head a few weeks ago. I pretty much did the whole set from bits of this Edinburgh. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's great. Eight shows. At least. Yeah. Let me think. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, can, can you name them? Do you remember the names of them? Yeah, I do. Can we go backwards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course we can. We can go anywhere we want, man. This is, the, the, this uh, is so really the opinion was this year. Uh, last year, 2017, the rise of the autistic. Yeah. Then the year before that, TV comeback special. Uh-huh. And the year before that, the gospel according to Stephen. The year before that, Drink Carbon Sensibly. Before that, Gambling Man. Before that, Pandas versus Penguins. So that's going back to Pandas versus Penguins. That must be going back to 2012. And then 2011, Guilty Bystander. Uh, the year before that, the, the Podium of Unconditional Surrender, perhaps. <laughs> My favourite title. <laughs> <laughs> that's great what was before that I can't remember yeah. the, the one before that I think that was the one that did that at the stand as well I think that was the one that Stuart Lee liked mm. and then he came in the next one and he went yeah half of that was good yeah yeah <laughs> 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 I did know he's an impression <laughs> and the podium of what was it unconditional surrender podium unconditional surrender what is what was that about I, I struggle to remember what it's about now, to be honest, because I think they were they were less coherent in those days in terms of I think they were more uh, stand up routines really. Mm. I, I can't remember what was in it. Like I, I mean, I've gone through them sometimes and go, oh yeah, that bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had a bit at the end which was sort of which I like was cynically tying it all together, and it was this. <laughs> montage I was doing this film montage sequence and it was all this cut to this cut to that and it was a sort of cynical device of tying up but knowingly cynical and it sort of I think some people loved it and some people hated it as being there it's sort of a good show though (laughs) (laughs) yeah rather than just like yeah it's okay isn't it and just you know yeah well we've seen another one I used I mean maybe I should start doing that again I used to sort of have really um, self-indulgent routines mm. <laughs> at, the, at the close of the show mm. uh, and I've stopped doing that and now I just sort of end like um, more like the American style where they have in Netflix lest we dare we mention Louis C.K. or somebody but people like that they just sort of do it There's, it, the last routine is just the last routine but mm. it's not really tying it together the show I did this year I, it was it did have a strong through line but you could do it in any order and that mm. was sort of I liked that yeah of, of, of having a, um, a sort of Lego kit of yeah. just going right I'll do this bit like it can be fresh every night can't it rather than yeah well it's like, it's like you know the first time you eat dinner for breakfast or something like you just think oh, just, or you have cereal for uh, night time and you go oh I can do this all the time <laughs> yes <laughs> that becomes my set I've just gone oh why have I been doing it this yeah. order because you just get in a habit of it and actually it doesn't Makes sense. So I've got I've got a sort of idea for next year's show in terms of the, the format, mm. not in terms of the content at all. So it's be nine. It's be number nine now. Yes. 
And what's your what's your what's your favourite show? Like that was a favourite title, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Podium of oh, unconditional surrender. Yeah, unconditional surrender. Podium of unconditional surrender. What was the what was your favourite one? That was your favourite title. What was your favourite show? You just was it the one the last one? Is it always the last one? Or yeah, I think it. Well, I think in terms of the material and working with the last one, but I think in terms of the experience, I think the rise of the autistic in terms of my experience and having the the right room at the right time mm. and and. It, getting good sort of reactions and stuff I think that was the best one but I think this year's one at the moment enjoying a lot of the material from it it, it sounds like the, the opinionator yeah. is more sort of like uh, your the, the thread of you if you know what I mean it's like okay this is ha- the, the stuff that you could your material connects to if you know what I mean yeah I think so I think it's slightly recalibrated me in a way mm. subtly but I think it's maybe a slightly different act and I think that it's sort of difficult for me to go back to the sort of older material now. I'm noticing that actually the when I'm on stage if I'm doing the the newer stuff it has a different different teeth sort of thing. Yeah. And a different different vibe. It grabs them in a certain way and I am mm. sort of really trying to open with something new now because it sort of sets me up in a way and then if I sometimes like last night I sort of hedged my bets about did a bit of old stuff and it, it didn't feel uh, it's coherent in a way. Mm. I think they're subconsciously going, oh, that's an older you. Yeah, yeah. And this is a newer you now, yeah. and it's... <laughs> You're cheating on yourself with yourself. What's the answer? <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said. I think material sometimes takes quite a while to gestate, and sometimes it takes a year or two to actually get really layered and the best it can be. But then sometimes I think you've got to kill it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. And destroy it. Mm. Burn it in like a... Whatever they use to burn crops, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> Pretty good analogies. A crop burner, <laughs> kind of like a like if it bleeds, we can kill it, sort of thing. Yeah, the, like the the flame. I'll tell you what I was actually thinking oh. was um, uh, the opening scenes to Saving Private Ryan, where the oh. Americans burn. They've got the, they burn the, Na- the Nazis, but they've got these flamethrowers. But I didn't want to have people being burned yeah. in my analogy, so I made it crops. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, also, I didn't want to compare my material to the Nazis. I just felt that was not the right... Because <laughs> I like the idea that crops are sort of organic and yeah. I like to think my stuff's organic. Maybe it was uh, GMO crops. You know, it was GMO crops. I think it was an episode of the X-Files where some yeah, GMO crops would get burnt at the end of the episode. Yeah, to save humanity. Raised, raised to the ground. Raised so there's, the ground yeah. there's no trace of them. People still say to me, oh, what, about routines... And I forget them. Like I just, mm. go, I even go. I don't know what you're talking about. Like it's not like somebody said to me about the prison officer, the woman prison officer. Mm. Yeah. Know what that routine was? Mm. I, that somebody said that to me today. Uh, sometimes they go, you go, oh yeah, I do remember that. But the, a couple of people said to me the best routine ever did was about a school assembly hall, and the janitor putting out the chairs for the assembly, and I've got no idea what that was. So I get no inkling, and then I said to other people in the men, "Yeah, that was the best thing you ever did," and I've got no idea what it is. Like I can't even begin to remember it, and I've got no recording of it, and I don't have any notes of it. So I can't have done it for that long. But why did I stop doing it? Oh man, oh, it's frustrating. Eh? It's like it's the best piece of material you ever did. You just can't remember it. Constantly trying to get back to that point. Do you not record? You, you recorded it. I record it? everything now, but I, don't, yeah. I think I was more lax about recording stuff in the past. We didn't winter in the old days. We didn't record <laughs> stuff as much, you know. <laughs> we had really real tape recorders. We just, it's not like this. You've got your nice little dictaphone now for this podcast. We did, we had um, 
computers with massive real. Everything. You saw the size of the boom boxes in the eighties. It was. Tablet of stone with a <laughs> yeah, running order. It was just a nightmare. Um, Took, talk very slowly, you know, so the the dictator the, 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 was it the stenographer can uh, pick it up, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, I used to have um, an actual dictaphone with those mini cassettes, and oh. you, they were, you know, you had to buy them, so you would just re- reuse them. Yeah. You wouldn't. You would listen to the gig and then scrub it. Mm. Now, with uh, we're all part of. Uh, the evil Apple empire we mm-hmm. can just everything's downloaded for all time future generations are going to, <laughs> are to hear me trying out material on a <laughs> Tuesday night somewhere yeah. you did the um, oh, bring your own baby gig today then, yeah that's right yes yeah. this very lunchtime yeah. there's room full of baby hecklers yeah did you put them down there's no point Strong. there's no point man because they don't they don't yeah. get it you know yeah. it's coming back it come back at you there's always, it's weird, there's always one kid that's sort of making a dash for the stage and is crawling a bit like a zombie towards the stage. They usually have quite a big gap between the front row because they have an area where the kids can sort of, I say kids, I mean they're like babies in arms, mm-hmm. but they they can sort of play on the floor. Yeah. But there's always one that makes a dash to the stage and just, he gets the stage and then oh, the mother always mm-hmm. snatches the baby away. And I do wonder what would happen if they didn't, would it climb on the stage? Mm-hmm. I kind of quite like that because it would force me to improvise. Yeah. I have to be careful because, you know, you've got the stage lights. If you step off the stage, you could trod on a baby and that's a yeah. big no-no at these gigs. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to kill the audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to kill but not. I'm very careful about not treading on babies yeah. in front of their mothers because it really yeah, yeah. causes... Oh, my God. Yeah. What would... Social media these days would be such a hoo-ha about it. Comedian kills heckler. Yeah. In the old, in the old days, you know, you could you could... Trample on a baby to death and it would be gone in 24 hours. No. <laughs> it's up there now, isn't it? It's, it's frowned upon yeah, very yeah. much now. It's very much frowned upon. Were they 12 o'clock, is it? 12 o'clock there? It kicked off 12 noon. Right. I was on first, so I must have been on about quarter past. Did yeah. the person, did you want to go on first? Uh, I'd done it before. It's one of those gigs where actually they tend to put the more experienced one on first because if somebody's not done it before, they can sort of watch... You'd, how you'd, so the first time I did it I went on at the end because I was learning from the the veteran of how to play it and then that's cool and it also works if you've got to go to the other side of London to do a podcast <laughs> <laughs> and also you know like they just see the first act just as the tears and it well up in their eyes go oh that's that's what you do you just just swallow the, your pride just get through it hold on to the rock it's my they're my jokes I'm taking them home I know these babies don't understand you don't understand me you don't get me I'm actually working the new market I mean they yeah. subconsciously are getting programmed to think of me as comedy. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you were basically uh, so it's, it's like the when Billy Connolly like kind of made stand up massive, wasn't it? Yeah. Right? So you're the new Billy. You're Billy Connolly to them because they have never seen any other. Well, I hopefully maybe they come every week. Do they? Are they regular? They look like regular comedy. Maybe I don't know how often. I think trained. the gigs a month every month, yeah. and I don't know how what what turnover of mothers and babies there are because I the thing is. The babies are up to a year at the most. I don't know if any of them are walking. So I don't know what yeah. happens when the babies get around a certain age. I don't yeah. know if you get banned from them. Yeah, yeah. They go, get out. No toddlers in here. Mm-hmm. That's it. Certain, over a certain age. Yeah. But like, then you have to go to comedy for kids, right? And then... Uh, yeah, once they're, once they're sort of sentient, right? then it's, that's, that's a different thing entirely because then you have to tailor an act to the kids. I'm only tailor, yeah. doing the same. I, you can do anything because they're too young, the babies. You can yeah. do your kind of raunchiest material if you want could you do the same joke again and again because the baby's memory is like goldfish at that stage could you 
If it, yeah, I'm playing the mothers, but if oh, it was okay. just the babies, right, right, I don't right. think I would even do anything. I would sit there <laughs> and do nothing, and I'll say, "I'll see you in court if yeah. you want." <laughs> yeah, that's it. What kind of what kind of witness are you going to make? Yeah. So, what year did you start, Steve? Two thousand and three. Amuse Miss Hot Starlet, but along with Rod Gilbert and Greg Davis, uh, Roshan Connolly, I think was in mm. it. They're probably the, the three. Uh, Biggest names that were in it, Andrew O'Neill was in it, um, Will Hodgson, Marek Larwood, I don't know if Marek's still doing mm. Comedy B, he was part of We Are Clang. Oh yeah. There's a lot of good people. I mean, I hated the gig, but cause yeah. it was on at like 20 to midnight, and we were all brand new, 20 to midnight. Mm. Uh, the only people that came to were people that couldn't get to see the show they wanted to see, So, and we were like totally inexperienced, all of us, so it was it was a tough gig. Is that the, the competition? No, it wasn't a competition, but it was sort of... Uh, showcasing people that had been in the the Amuse Moose competition, so it was a, a sort of different lineup every night. But it was like a sort of gang show, I suppose. It was there was a, yeah. somebody emceeing, and I remember Greg Davis, I think, emceed it a little bit, and mm. there would be maybe three or four acts on. It was a really good experience, but I didn't I didn't enjoy no. <laughs> that at the time. Well, you're kind of new. I mean, Ed was quite um, it's quite tough actually. I mean, I know a lot of stand ups that come from abroad. They've came from. Berlin of whatever the little scene is support and it's just thrown in the maelstrom I think you forget that when you're now you meet when, when, when you've had the trial by ordeal of you know it, it's, it's a, I think Edinburgh's tougher than the circuit like it, it's just because there's so much competition and even audiences are so choosy and ruthless and just when you're new it's like you almost can't take it whereas now it's like oh okay <laughs> I remember this <laughs> It can be quite fun, actually, but I think um, baptism of fire, I think that's mm-hmm. the, the, mm. the word I was looking for. Yeah. And then you just get used to that, and then you start doing your solo show, and you go, oh, oh mm. if you don't like me, they, there is nothing. There is. <laughs> this, is it. this is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it. a restaurant that sells one meal, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like lobster and burger, but without the burger, right? If you just, yeah. <laughs> you just sell lobsters, and if you don't like lobsters... Oh yeah, this is going to be a long meal. Yeah, allergic. <laughs> so yeah, it was like so you're uh, you did that, and is there anything uh, like for you at the beginning uh, mm. going back? Was there anything that got in the way of you starting stand up in any way? Was there anything you went, oh man, I was like, I don't know, I, I want to do it, but ah, oh, there must have been. I think I remember saying is uh, a relative of mine's quite a few years before. I'd I'd like to try it. Uh, and he said, well, why don't you? And I said, well, I might not be any good. And he goes, well, how will you know? If... So, yeah, it must have been in the back of my mind for quite a few years. And I think it's certainly... You know, when you picture something you've not done, I really pictured going on stage and doing an open spot. But I had no idea of the size of the circuit. It's a bit like thinking there's only the Premiership football clubs. I mean, I literally thought you could come down to the comedy store and just turn up on a Saturday night and go can I go on and do 10 minutes and they would go yeah like I, that's what I literally thought it was like I had no idea how professionalised it was how structured it was because it wasn't and there wasn't that many stand-ups on the TV at the time there wasn't it wasn't like now with Live the Apollo there was like Jack D and, and Harry Hill and Frank Skinner and the sort of 90s lot and Joe Brand it's about 20 people it seemed yeah <laughs> and I thought well uh, there might be about another 20 I've not heard of <laughs> how many can there be come on it's one of the, what 40 comedians so I, 
I, I started watching a lot of stand-up in London when I moved here for other reasons. And I started watching a lot of stand-up. And I used to go particularly to the Chuckle Club. Hmm. Do you remember that one? That was uh, the London School of Economics. Eugene Cheese used to run it. And it was Saturday night. I suppose it's my model of a comedy club because it's the first one I ever went to. Even though Eugene Cheese is the most um, eccentric compere. I mean, he hosted it in a way that I don't think it's ever been done before or since. But... That was, I thought, well, that's what compares. Well, I'm intrigued. What, what, what did he do? He sang. He didn't really compare it in any sense of chance. People, he sang a couple of songs, and he, he he used to also one of them, one of which was Chuckle Club, which I think he'd written himself, hmm. and one was Minnie the Moocher. And he used to, he was quite a kind of large guy, and he would also sort of kind of walk down the aisle when he was singing it, and then sit on people's knees and stuff, and it was sort of. Uh, Sitting people's what, sorry? Knees. In knees. A bit like the uh, a bit like the old the cruise ship cruise ship style where they kind of just crew come up, go, oh yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't a crooner though. I mean it was it was um at a certain I wouldn't say punk quality to it. Not not in terms of the music, but in terms of the spirit of it. I think it was <laughs> Yeah. And it, and the the stage was a weird uh, shape, like it was a inverted triangle. Like I mean at the back the backdrop wasn't a flat wall, it was a triangle. <laughs> and it was dingy but you could, I mean, it was £10 and you yeah. could get in to the club. Afterwards, it was like a school disco thing. And it was a cheap bar because it was a student union. And he, he booked, he booked really good acts. So he booked, like, a lot of people around the comedy store would double with it. But also, he had a bit more experimental acts like uh, Stuart Lee and Simon Munnery and mm. people like that as well. So I think it was actually the best club at the time. Mm. And I always wanted to play it, and he never booked me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had a phone. It wasn't, and you had a phone, and he kind of had to run the gauntlet of him. And he'd always say he'd never heard of you, and you kind of go, well, because <laughs> you haven't booked me yet. Just, yeah. It was a sort of chicken and egg situation. Yeah, yeah. That can be the case sometimes, kind of, for sure. And, uh, like, and then it just closed down. Sadly, they refurbished the venue, made it all modern, and it ruined it, you know. It had this hardwood floor in it, put all these floor length windows in and brightened it up and it just oh. I've seen that with a lot of student unions they, some even in Oxford they've done up these they've done them really modern and they've just it's ruined the whole thing I mean yeah. there's something about a, a dark dingy bar yeah because they're cheap drinks the students want to go in there and have a good time and just not worry about the outside world isn't it that's what it is right it's like I think a, also but I think there's a certain spirit about these places and I think when mm. it's all done like it just looks like a chain of something then it, it loses any sort of individuality that so, it had and I think I don't know, can places absorb atmosphere over the, the years they seem yeah. to? Mm-hmm. Like old bars with like sawdust on the floor and like... Uh, and, and I mean there's a bar in Brighton I drink in and it's if you actually objectively look at it nothing m- like matches it. If you designed a bar like that it would be so gimmicky that it would be terrible but it actually works. It's got like this threadbare carpet. It's sort of quite old. It's got all these old school... Um, Newspaper prints, sort of framed and stuff, mm. but then it's got kind of modern stuff like kind of Space Invader machines, <laughs> and then it, but it's also <laughs> got like an upright piano, and then it's got the local cricket team keep their stuff there, so it's got all their stuff. It's like a gradually evolving. Through, yeah, it's got loads of stuff that just shouldn't fit together, but it does. Mm. I think it's the sort of thing that you know when the O'Neills have all that bric-a-brac and try yeah, to yeah. do it, but it sort of looks contrived. But this is just like 
Uh, we may be getting off the point here. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Go anywhere. Hey, Steve, the great thing about this podcast is yeah. go anywhere, man. It's great. This, this yeah, yeah never mind comedy. I'll tell you what's wrong with pubs yeah, today. It's it's the pubs today. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Where's the what's the, the best place you like to drink in Edinburgh then? Somewhere on the the Cowgate or something like mm. that. Mm. What's your favourite? I quite like Bannerman's. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I like the beer though. No, <laughs> I kind of like. I quite like. I quite like metal bars though because mm. I'm sort of not of that ilk at all. I, mm. But I quite like them. Quite like their vibe, and I kind of quite like going in them. Yeah, I'm not an enemy trying to be one of them, so mm. I think they just. Yeah, I'm sort of accepted as a sort of. Yeah, accepted. I'm like the one white guy that wants to hang out in a black neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Great. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, dude! Whoa, this guy! Yeah, look at this guy in his suit! Oh my God, this guy is so different! Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah that's great. That's great. Yeah, the law of scarcity, huh? It's the same with comedy, I guess, isn't it? You don't want to be the same as the other. Well, it's a question. I, I just wore my glass. I don't tend to wear glasses on stage, but yeah, somebody said I should wear them. They said it suited me. I always thought it would sort of stop eye contact a bit, but maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe it's distinct, and maybe I should. I think I because I, 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 gla- I have glasses as well yeah. I don't wear them for the same reason that you're saying mm. and I I think that sometimes when you have a, a visible mm. weakness mm. everyone goes oh look you know you're not you're completely non-threatening because mm. they, they, and they can't attack you like they can't find yeah. they can't find a fucking a dig you know they're like oh yeah. look at this guy look, yeah things better than the art you know what I mean yeah. in a suit trailer oh I don't like suits you know anything they're going for anything yeah. at the beginning aren't they first ten seconds yeah. uh, and then like uh, and I think when I wore my glasses and I had like these uh, there is a normal ones like uh, the square like it gave me a little bit more likability because oh, right. when you walk in and go, oh Jesus, this guy's got fucking glasses. You tell me I'm disabled because I never thought of it yeah. that way before. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just you're slightly, yeah, visually. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I have the same thing. Like, but I think that, uh, of course, it depends on what kind of glasses. And those glasses are good glasses. Yeah. yeah. But they're not like they're. You can see they're not kind of like the. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not, now I'm. I'm bored. Like gonna dig a hole for myself and bury myself in it now. But you know, with those glasses, they're not like. Uh, I know they're designer. I'm sure. Yeah. Right? yeah. But they're not the kind of designer going, oh, look at this fucking gobshite with like the DNG type thing. You okay. know what I mean? They're not DNG, are they? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I don't even know what DNG is. So. No, but like, the, like, the, like, I don't know, that's just a, a, a brand that you pick, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Gucci or, you know, that kind of, because you see someone go. It's interesting because I thought you were yeah. going to do a different insult. I thought you were going to go, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that um, you can tell they're not, because some people would wear wacky glasses uh, and they're not that, but they're a bit distinctive. Yeah, but they're, they're not, but they're not, um, no, they're good. And not a character. I mean, who's who's worn? Daniel Kitson obviously wore wore glasses, and that, he's done well. Uh, Alan Carr. It's a thing we're going to start a trend now. Everyone's going to be wearing glasses. Uh, more coming, more coming out, and more coming wise. The two yeah. Ronnies. There's been a, there's been a certain um, amount of <laughs> you got to. And, and also, like your stuff is quite cerebral as well, mm. isn't it? So it, it really helps. I think it might help with the look as well. Like, oh, fuck it. Uh, yeah, he's obviously read, read a book, cracked open a book, and thought about this shit. You know, do you know what I mean? It might yeah. help the whole thing. But yeah, I think it is. I'm trying to. Not, I, 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 I'm sure people mean that as a compliment, but I feel it's not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's your fault. It's like you've left. So people, because I think, <laughs> I think yeah. comedy should be funny, and I think. That's, oh, do you mean? Oh, sorry. Was it? Was it a backhanded compliment? No, no, no. I, I know it isn't. But I just think that I think almost like the cleverness should be con- concealed. Mm-hmm. So it should just it like a good ad campaign. Yeah. It should be. It should. Have a certain simplicity in motion, even if underneath it, it's like devilishly complicated. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, I'm just going to go on a shit analogy, like a duck. 
<laughs> like, you know, you know, not the swans. It's simple on the top, but lots of shit going on underneath the water. Yeah, but is that not the swans? Oh, okay. Because ducks look too haphazard, but <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> you know, you would, you would never accuse a duck of having dignity, but I think a duck <laughs> is cuter than a swan, but it, but it doesn't have... A swan's a bit more high status. I can yeah, see why yeah. you're not allowed to eat them. That's true, that's true. Swan is definitely more high status. And uh, Do you want more tea? Oh, yeah, please, man. Thanks. It's funny, because we worried about not having the tea poured during the podcast, and actually, in the end, it doesn't really No, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. We just, we we just do what we need. It sounds <laughs> contrived, though, like we're just trying to be normal. Yeah. Like, like you people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we just drink tea, like you. Yeah, like everyone else. It's yeah. Just like everyone else. Yeah, um, and just pretending it'd be normal <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it, it's um, unfortunately the milk is obviously well it's it's not soy milk oh right it's, it's proper milk isn't it yeah did you want soy no milk? no I didn't I was going to go with the, I was actually going to lie there a second ago I was saying actually it's soya vegan oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, but I was like no I, I can't I can't I've got to be honest it's semi-skimmed which I imagine is probably the most popular <laughs> milk in Britain now. I don't have any stats to back that up but if I was guessing yeah if I was on the chase and they were saying which is the best <laughs> most popular I reckon it's, it's semi-skimmed is chase the same as the point as pointless no it's a different thing is it okay so um, Paul Sin is on the chase and he's not on pointless okay no, I know, I, I know that. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, like, I think they're fulfilling similar demographics. I think that's the question. Yeah. I think from a marketing point of view, they went, who are these fuckers sitting at home at this time of the day? They want a quiz. I think it's a similar demographic, but it's not, it's not the same rules. I think Pointless is about more of a, a survey thing, isn't it? It's a bit like an inverted family fortunes. You've got to guess how many people didn't get the, yeah, the right. answer to something. Mm-mm. Whereas the chase is a more straightforward... What's the answer to this? Okay, right, simple. But I think the green milk is probably the most common. I, I mean, you know, I don't want to... Oh, sorry, but I was saying semi-skimmed. Although this is skimmed, right? Yeah. So I'm wrong, but I was actually saying that semi-skimmed, which oh, is, you're right, is the green. Is that, I'm glad we agree. I'm glad yeah, yeah, we agree. Yeah. I was going to be a really awkward rest of this podcast otherwise. Yeah, yeah, um, No, I, I, I sort of <laughs> lied, I lied to you there that I was saying that I was giving you semi-skimmed and in fact it is skimmed. Oh. But I still stick to... Semi skim being the most popular bit, and that's my final. <laughs> Why is that not like a question on who wants to be a millionaire? Like, it should just, be. Yeah, really. it should be like, but uh, is there a fourth one? Because you make because there's skim, semi skim, uh, full fat, and then it would need to be. And they're one percent as well, isn't okay. it? The, the purple one that's one percent, isn't oh, it? Right, it's a bit. Whoever goes fucking purple, there must be something weird fucking shit in that. I don't want yeah, that yeah. for it. I mean, you know, Coke Zero. That. Yeah, that could be the yeah. You're right. It could be the Coke Zero of the of the milk world, the dairy world. Here's a question for you, because mm. I, I, one time I was in Edinburgh and I was walking up the Royal Mile eating an ice cream cone, uh-huh. and I bumped into Josie Long and she went, oh, I, I didn't think you'd be the kind of person that would eat an ice cream cone. And I thought, oh, do I have a don't eat an ice cream cone vibe about me? <laughs> and should, should I do it to confound expectations? Like if I had turned up with an ice cream cone, and didn't offer you one, would that have helped this podcast or made it worse? Uh, I, I did Well, do you know what I think that I would have been like, first of all, like, if, it depends on what kind of, like an actual 99 cone with a, like, yeah, a, yeah. So, yeah, that would be, I would just be full of questions. I'd be like, where the fuck did you get that ice yeah, cream yeah. cone? How come you're still eating it now? I mean, I mean, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but it would be get right, right in the way, you know, but, but, but it's sort of like, it would have. It would have been a like. I'm like, well, how how is it, how have you managed to hold off just not eating that before the podcast started? Do you know what I mean? Well, I I, um, I don't think I got ninety nine because I think it'd be it's been done, and I think also 
It's the sort of thing I think Peter Kay would do. I think that would be more his sort of... Well, if he had an ice cream, I imagine it would be a 99. It would have to be. I think it'd be a Cornetto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Cornetto would be fine, though, because you can have them in your freezer. You go, and you're you're bound to have the multi-pack. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's got to be fresh. uh, Because that would be like, do you have one of these machines at home? I mean, who cleans that? Do you clean that? I mean, I... Mr. Blippi machine, they might, do you think you can get them at home? Oh, you can, yeah. You must be able to get one of those. Yeah, if you can get, like, an ice maker now, can't you? So you must be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I imagine how you, like, you have to clean them, but yeah, you think somebody would have them. That would be I, the end it, for me. If it, I had an ice cream machine in my house, I wouldn't leave it. Yeah, I'd become like Marlon like, Brando. I'd become fat <laughs> and tragic, and I would... Incredibly talented, though. Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd I mean, become increasingly talented. difficult yeah. to work with. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting offered like a lot of money I'd like that yeah. to be actually just do one gig a year and get paid an extraordinary amount of money for it and then be really difficult yeah. didn't they did, what was, didn't they in, in the uh, what was it that, the last film he did the one was massive he was massive and they just like shot him from like various angles because he was so fat then mm. that they were like look we just can't have this guy on fully on camera because mm. we can't let anyone see how fat he is mm. what was that that was uh, Apocalypse Now wasn't it yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. So he was obscured in there. I think that was the start of the fatness. I think that was... Because that would have just been after The Godfather, I think. It was sort of yeah. mid-70s or something. Maybe late 70s. But mm. yeah, he was, he, was, he was in darkness a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, first starting out. Yeah. Were you, like, were, you, were you as terrified as everybody else? Or were you like just... Did you have any background in, in performance or of any kind? Yeah, I was terrified as everyone else. But I did have background... Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd done a bit of music and I'd performed music I'd played the trumpet at school and so I had done like sort of Christmas carol concerts and I'd done sort of used to get these soul competitions and they were kind of nerve wracking I think they were worse in a way actually in comedy although you can really fuck up on a trumpet I know you can kind of <laughs> <laughs> you can fuck up on a stand up as well but it's sort of yeah. In a way, there's different tunes you can play in stand-up, but yeah. if you're doing a trumpet, you're meant to do that one tune. If you yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we used to... I My Saturdays would be these bizarre solo competitions where you would go to some town. They would usually be held in, like, this, a school on a Saturday, and they would... They, you'd get drawn a number, and you were... Because it was all anonymous, and the adjudicator would be behind this little curtain, and he'd have a whistle... And he'd blow it when he was ready for the next person. Then you play a bit, and then you got marked, and there was winners announced. And I think the the most I, I once got a, I've got a silver medal somewhere from second place. I think I played something from Handel, hmm. the water music or something, or the fireworks music. I think so. I had that, but that was in the that was in the past. Hmm. But but in terms, and I'd done the odd bit of play, but I never really found plays nerve wracking. Hmm. I don't know if it's the sort of that you're part of a, a team, yeah, or there's not this moment. I don't think there's the same pressure, is there? I mean, I'm not yeah. saying you, you, there's not amazing actors, but the judgment of, of stand up and the potential to fail, I think, is greater than a play. I think, and I so I've never really felt pressure. I don't want to denigrate acting, but I've never felt the same pressure. You've got someone to work with, they, they can carry you as go, you know, they can, you're, it's your line, they yeah, can, yeah, they can yeah. look in your eye and go, get on with it. <laughs> I mean, a bad play is still a play, but bad bad comedy is not comedy. It's not. It's just <laughs> it's a not. waste of everyone's time, isn't it? That's what it is, sort of thing, isn't it? That's what a bad comedy is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's remarkable. I mean, I think when you're on fire, it's, a, it's like you've got such nuanced control of the audience. You can just 
tilt them this way and mm. that and do everything and time slows down you've got so much thinking time and then when it's going badly it's like none of the controls are connected to the plane it's like <laughs> pull this lever and nothing happens and We're going usually down works <laughs> this usually works I don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you get a tattoo of a trumpet so that they can always be with you when you're on stage at the beginning you're like okay no somebody asked me that you know uh, Stuart Lee used to make a thing of writing his notes on his hand uh-huh. and I think one of his DVDs is actually that's the menu oh, right. for the DVD cool. menus is, is thumb in his hand and somebody yes. actually asked me has he got a tattoo in his hand and I'm like do you oh, think he got a tattoo of bad handwriting <laughs> <laughs> so no I never had a, I never had any tattoos I kind of I may get one when I'm 50 it's time isn't it fuck it what's the worst can happen then septicemia well I think they're a lot better now I think yeah. some of the high end tattoos are pretty good now when I was kind of a kid it was always Guys, I had tattoos on the forearms, and it was always sort of a a scroll effect with like a dagger and a heart and mm. some woman's name, or like a, a like Wonder Woman type looking female on your arm, like mm. that kind of thing, or snakes and skulls, that kind of. I don't think it was anything even that advanced. Oh. I mean, it was basic stuff. I mean, I, I hadn't really moved on from the Navy years. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's you just messaging me to say that you're going to be oh, saying that. Oh, great. I'm glad my phone uh, is... <laughs> glad my phone has uh, got, finally got a little bit more battery in it. But so, uh, so yeah, you were, so you've done a bit of performance in that when you were a kid. Yeah. Would you, do you remember the, the hardest thing that you had to overcome in doing stand-up? Uh, I think I didn't... I, I used to hate comparing. It was just mm. for me, I sort of... I couldn't... Some people preferred it. I was like, I thought they were mad. I thought at least with... I said you've got your you've got your material, you've got your jokes, you've got your routines, mm. but the idea of just bantering to an audience without a script, I just that was difficult. And I, I mean, it sounds I, I, I fundamentally wasn't interested in them. Like I was going, oh, "What do you do for a living?" I didn't care. So, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't really struggle. People, I didn't really. If somebody was in IT, I'm like, "Good for you." I don't really want to mock you for it. We need yeah. computers, but yeah. it was. I didn't really. You know, have anything to say to them, really? But but that can work too, can't it? That kind of like that because you're going the other way, isn't it? That could I don't work. know if it can work. Comparing though, you've got to be careful because I think you've got to be more neutral as a personality in comparing mm. because you're the guide for the whole evening and you've mm. got to bring everybody in and you've got to be everyone's friend and you've got to they're going to get different acts and they're going to like some more than others, but you've got to be the constant that holds it together. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't be too stylized mm-hmm. when you're doing it. I mean, I like it. Now. I like sort of not having any plan when I go on and just chat to people mm. yeah absolutely hated it mm. and then I kind of realised <laughs> doing it I've never really chatted to people before like I realised that and just in life I just sort of did monologues to people I don't think I ever really had conversations with people <laughs> I think that was the thing okay um, so like when, when I was younger right mm. I'd find that I would before it's like one school or something mm. like that I'd find that I would go right okay what I'm going to talk about today. Yeah. And I go through a, some sort of a natural routine. Yeah. Then I go, okay, right, I'll talk about this, 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 and this. Yeah. And then you go see your, like, you know, because I was a bit mental. Yeah. You go see the people you know at the, the, the outside the courthouse where it yeah. was outside the school. You'd be like, all right, all right, okay, now this is what I'm going to talk about. I don't know what the fuck, I'll just go fucking full energy at it. 
and you'd had little callbacks within the uh, within your little bit, but you didn't know you'd had callbacks. But because of the, <laughs> you had a bit of a captive audience there because yeah. they couldn't fucking escape because they had to go to school in a minute. Yeah. And uh, so did you did you do the same thing? Like did you before you went to school, kind of say hello. All right, okay, that's that bit down. And then I um, used to script phone calls, and I oh, I yeah. was terrified at the phone really of speaking to people I didn't know on uh-huh. it. Um, I think because there's not any of the visual cues, you can't see yeah. a person. Yeah. And if it was, if I was phoning up some stranger for something, it was like. I have to write this script, which is completely insane because you don't know what they're going to say. It was like sitcoms. I had so many phone calls that would go badly wrong. I remember phoning up. I was before I did stand up, but I thought I want to be an actor. And I remember getting the phone book in Scotland. It was like in Edinburgh, going through all the theatre companies and, and just phoning them up, seeing if I could join or something. And but they were all together, so it was like amateur theatre companies and also the like professional ones. And I remember mm. just getting in such a mess with this woman because she was really offended because it was a professional theatre company and, she, and I thought it was some amateur thing and then she got really offended and it got really... I <laughs> did nothing, it got so heated. <laughs> and I guess the awkwardness as well of like this conversation isn't going the way I imagined it to go. And you're like... I think also... Yeah. Phone calls are more of an event years ago. I mean, uh-huh. now we've got mobiles and you just phone up somebody and go, oh, what was that thing again? Who was the guy who was in that film? Yeah, right, see you later. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's... I think we use phones more now. I think we make more phone calls. It doesn't matter as much. Mm. But it was quite an event to phone up a landline. There's something mm-hmm. more strangely official about it. and mm-hmm. I think particularly because the person wasn't necessarily where the phone is. You know, you're not... You've not got your mobile on you, so you have to leave a room to go to the phone and so you, you were already thinking this is important it was it was it was a thing or maybe just in my head that's how it seemed it seemed to be it was important you had to nail it and I I think the worst was you have to ask a girl out and you have to phone her up that was not like being able to send a text message or something but you but like now now when the phone rings the, the, a landline rings at home it's like the furniture's making a sound isn't it just like what the fuck the furniture is talking to you it feels like isn't it because you, you use your mobile isn't it now yeah, it's yeah. like oh just mobile what the fuck is that oh that's the landline that we never use who the fuck is ringing some guy from telesales but that's uh, <laughs> I think this gift that I guess you have and that we both have that you try to script conversations before they actually happen mm. great for stand up or telesales isn't it <laughs> you got a script come on you did this when you were young that was it so well I mean I used to have I mean I was able to work out mm. Socially, like a non sequitur can be quite funny, be yeah. quite entertaining if uh-huh. you do it right. But it's not really being in a conversation with people, is it? It's not listening. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading this book about psychology, and apparently you're not meant to do that. Apparently you are meant to listen to people and like yeah. respond to what they say. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, you're just waiting for your turn to talk, aren't you? That's what you're you're doing. Yeah, but I don't think you see. I don't think anybody in my family does really listen. So I think that's <laughs> like there's just if you go home for Christmas or whatever, there's just five different conversations going on at once. Right. Nobody's really listening. Um, <laughs> I think I think Michael Frayn used it. He wrote the script for Clockwise, a film with John Cleese, and there's a wonderful bit in it with these three old women in a car, and none of them are having the same conversation. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what yeah. my family's like. It's just... It's not really a conversation. It's like a broadcast. You know what... Um, mm-hmm. It's a transmitting signal, just to feel uh-huh. like I'm still alive. Occasionally interjected with Monopoly or Trivial Pursuit. That's 
that's basically what Christmas is like. I didn't also realise before I left home that you don't need to have a set number of anecdotes because I think our family have like five anecdotes and I think you, you, you can actually almost have infinite anecdotes if you want to. Yeah. You don't need to have five because it suggests that you've only got not much has happened. <laughs> now, we had these stories in our yeah. family they just got told they got wheeled out at every kind of social event and I think the fact they were just repeated gave them some value that they didn't actually have. You know mm. what I mean? They became like rituals, yeah. in a way, like holy scripture. These anecdotes that got wheeled out. Oh, maybe that's what made me want to be a writer. Just go, we need to get beyond this. <laughs> yes, it's, oh, there's a turnover, some new material. Yeah. Do you think that there are those five anecdotes that your family had? Yeah. Do you think that the reason why they say them so much is that? they're the only ones that people can agree what time it was what day it was <laughs> you know, who was there because you know when you start a new anecdote everyone goes no that's it's like you're in a writer's room when you're doing it mm. and you're all sitting there kind of going oh it was a Tuesday no it wasn't a Tuesday it was a Wednesday and they go oh and then you were there no no I wasn't there he was there I think they're the ones that happen to come out right you know how yeah. they also find I, I, my mother told me something recently a story and it was terrible at the end and I went what was the point of that and she goes well that's what happened and I'm like, but it wasn't worth repeating. Mm. And I just think that, I mean, you can change reality to make it a better story, but I don't think mm. they do that. So I think it had to, a story had to happen in a way that was relatively... Palatable. Yeah, yeah. so there wasn't that many. Uh, <laughs> so they're all terrible at the end. These are just the, the, the sort of the G-rated five anecdotes that everyone goes, oh, this is fine, this is not going to cause any upset or, or, or make anyone sad. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how rude to be, right? I mean, yeah. the thing is, you don't want to be rude about your family, but yeah. I just, I think the conversation was dreadful. I mean, <laughs> and, and they would have, my mum's dad's friends would all come around and they'd all just agree on everything oh. and it would like, drive me around the bend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this, it would always be, I think Maggie Thatcher was Prime Minister at the time, so that was our starting off point, you know, mm. and it was just like, but they all kind of, uh, it was a consensus, and I think it's just. I thought that's what adults did. It seemed really shit being an adult. Like, you sit around, no wonder you drink. You know, you sit around. <laughs> you know, you come to the. You all have a drink, you smoke, and you kind of tell the same stories, and then you. Um, Atrophy. Agree with each other. And then you'd meet adults who could actually were conversationalists and go, wow, yeah. you're Oscar Wilde. I mean, what. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you do. You want to be an actor? Did you do. What acting did you do? Did you manage to get into anything uh, fun? I, I did bits at university. I was in like One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. I did. I wrote for the student review, but I wasn't in it. But I didn't. It wasn't my style of comedy. But I suppose that was the first experience of writing to a style that wasn't yours. Mm. And then. I did a few. I was in the sort of youth theatre and where I did a few things, various plays and stuff. So I never had that stage fear as such. I knew I could go on stage and perform, but I think stand up took it to a different level because, particularly when you've gone from open spots to then going to professional clubs where people have paid money and they expect you to be good, and the just the standards you've been judged by were just like mm-hmm. suddenly, and people were if they don't like it, they're not they're going to let you know, and it's it's a totally different ball game, I think. It's a great training, though, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I just look at sort of other performers now, and particularly when I see TV presenters sometimes doing stuff live and going, oh, they're terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, kind of big names. I've seen Edinburgh Fringe do more like TV people, not not comedians, but, I mean, people like presenters and then doing stuff. And you think you're just used to doing, like, a two-minute piece to camera, aren't you? You can't sustain an hour. Mm, Exactly, yeah. (laughs) 
Have you, do you improv as well? Or you say about the compare thing, that's as far as the improv, you just want a script and that's what you want to stick to, right? Do you try no, and, I do. You improv a bit. I, I do, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I also like between thinking, the thing is to nail a routine every time. Uh-huh. And then actually just... I go for periods. Sometimes I improv a lot and then I, it starts getting too much. Yeah. And it gets too loose. Yeah. I mean, I love things like Joke Thieves. Mm. And I love things like Satlist, where there is no... Nits. Yeah, at all, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really... It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of my favourite thing, actually. Yeah. More than the stand-up. But I think there's a discipline of uh, making a particular routine work for different audiences in different yeah. nights. It depends what mood I'm in as well, I think. Mm. I think sometimes you want to play with them and sometimes... Mm. Guy, just want to get it over with. I mean, you know, it's true, though, isn't it? Some guys go, "Oh, these guys are a fucking bunch of fucking." I, I can, I, and, and everyone's going up there giving their best stuff, and they're just sometimes the audience just goes, "No, no," they're, they've already decided. Do you, do you ever find that? Yeah, I mean, I, that sometimes happens. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe just do your worst stuff. Don't try. Do I don't know what to do because I think maybe they don't like the comedians on. Maybe, but then sometimes I think. I have seen it sometimes where for some reason the compare doesn't handle it right at the start, mm. but the audience unite against the gig. Yeah. It yeah. comes a them or us it comes a them and us thing right yeah. from the off and they they are united against the gig and then they become sort of determined to defeat the comedians in a way. Yeah, totally. It's a weird psychology, but it does occasionally happen mm. and I have seen it and they're they they kind of wreck the night and then get very annoyed. Mm. Mm. As the, well, the, the, even if you win, isn't it? They I mean, there is a certain there is a certain kind of death where the the better you do, the more they resent you. You heard that where you, <laughs> yeah, totally. you kind of and then you go, all right, I see what you're doing. You're, yeah. you're actually working against me. You don't want me to do well. So as you said, when the, the audience moves, like you can you can control them. You move one way, mm. move one way. Like like you're like the lead fish in a shoal mm. of fish, isn't it? That's what it's like. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think if if they've united against the gig, something's comedians have handled it wrong in some way mm. get them in there but sometimes by then it's every time you get on stage sometimes it's set mm. in a particular way yeah I had a gig recently where I followed a couple of acts I hadn't done very well and I thought this is going to be easy and it wasn't it was the work. It was mm. the opposite because sometimes when it's the acts aren't as good it, it's sort of lowered the bar and these acts yeah. it's easier to be good but then this actually I think they'd lost faith in the on their own eyes yeah and I, I'm not part of that, that I'm different <laughs> <laughs> Don't wait, that's it. Them. I've got them. That's just me now. Let's, uh, let's, let's just pretend that none of this has happened. Yeah, let's just put a pin in that, okay? Uh, you this just, is like, the... rain your emotions in and like, we'll just be... <laughs> what, what's been, like, the the highlight of the worst reel, like, of gigs that you've done? Like, I mean, not, not for you performance-wise, but it was fucking... This shit, shit went off one day and I was like, I didn't expect to see that. So many. Uh, oh yeah. Do you mean bad gigs like, or not, weird like, or what? Weird, like or, or like a. Or, why not a mix? What you got? What's the worst gig? Like the like for just bad. I suppose if you get booed off, that's pretty bad, and oh, you yeah. can get to that point of um, occasionally where you can get that you can go down that badly. I mean, it's happened a few times. I think once at the notorious. What was the gig in Newcastle that that used to be? There was a gig in Newcastle that got notorious for being kind of quite rough at one point mm. anyway mm. there was that gig there mm. was <laughs> I remember getting booed off up the creek once but I think the ultimate was when I was comparing a gig which was um, Bug Jam it was it was mm. for Volkswagen Beetle people yeah so it was like a tent full of about a thousand petrol heads yeah and there was a massive crush area between the, the stage and the front row it was massive they were mm. very it wasn't ideal 
a setting for comedy. I kept saying to the promoter, are you sure? I think I'll be right for this. But no, no, it's good to be good. The first section was fine, and then they just turned against me in the second bit, and they were booing me off, and they didn't realise that I was there for the duration. I'm like, I'm hosting, you can fucking yeah. boo me, but this is, I'm going to yeah. keep coming up. I mean, the show was about two and a half hours or something. I mean, it wasn't an interval. And at the end, and they just all sat there. Nobody left. It had been a, It was like a Stockholm Syndrome. I think they, yeah. they got to the point of being... They kind of bonded with me mm. by that stage. Mm-hmm. It become so extreme because once you boo somebody off and then they don't go, what can you do? Unless you get violent, you've kind of hit your max. And then, yeah. then what? And that became interesting. Mm. I think I could have turned that gig around, given another two hours. <laughs> I think they could have. Actually- <laughs> <laughs> any, is there any other like kind of weird stuff that's happened at, like in the beginning? There are like fucking mental shit, like. That's I mean, you know, you occasionally get fights in the audience. Which, oh. You know, I've, I've had a, a a guy punch his girlfriend or whatever in the, the front row. Kind of, that's difficult to deal with. You can't really oh. ignore it, but it sort of creates a bad atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. It's a difficult yeah. one to. And it's sort of, I think, in a way, if you're on stage and something like that happens, it's sort of happened on your watch. You know, it's sort yeah. of. I've had a few fights over the years, but I don't think it's anything to do with the gig. I think it's just a couple having a row or something and that sort of thing on stage. I've had a, I remember doing a gig and behind the stage was a wine cellar because it was in the basement of this restaurant. I remember the waiter coming on when I was on stage, coming in, going on stage and going behind the stage and getting all these bottles of wine and coming out and just being kind of oblivious to it. It wasn't like, didn't realise you should wait until... Mm. So I had sort of just odd stuff like that. But I, I can't think of anything for a while that's been really... Crazy. I don't know if I just fill it around now or. You just come back from um, Asia. Yeah, I did the Asia comedy tour. Yeah. Was it fun? It was great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, I've been to some countries before, like Vietnam, Singapore, but I haven't been to China. I've been Shanghai. It's it's really good. I mean, there's a, a nascent uh, comedy scene in a lot of these countries now. There's a lot of English speaking comedy starting up, and mm. hopefully, it will grow. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, become like a it's like the the wines all moved to the new world now isn't it like mm. New Zealand wine hopefully we will <laughs> we'll be getting all our work over there now and then it's the UK comedy scene withers and dies <laughs> <laughs> it's just like down at one club again in London it's just like the comedy store and the, the rest have all closed yeah I mean it's, it's always interesting if people play particularly a lot of people that are foreign nationals or English as a second language, there's a, you think, what's, what's universal? And it's, it's finding that, finding that what works in, internationally is, is mm. a really good experiment and trying to get that connect with the audience, which mm. you always have, but when it's abroad, it's that extra level of, it's like a, a Rubik's Cube with like an extra few sides. <laughs> Eight sides or something. It's like that chess that they play in, Star Trek this good. Oh cool. yeah. Like, yeah but uh, with Whoopi Goldberg and, and when yeah. like, the character always go in but what oh, that's mad, that is that's a you know, the four or five tiered thing. Is that an actual game? Or is I it think just, it is, you know? know, I think that's an actual game, yeah. It's yeah. it's normal chess not difficult enough, like it, it yeah, that's yeah. true. That's what you play on many different levels. Yeah. Uh, but uh the um so, did you write specifically for Asia, or before you went out there, or did you take the old set and just recreate nah, it? I've got that much now from all those shows I've done. That mm-hmm. you just kind of have a big list of stuff. You can yeah. start going right. 
there's certain stuff you'd go at that's references they're not going to get or in terms of social attitudes is maybe not going to get or yeah so you come up with a list of what they might I think you just over prepare so that you've got more you need in case you switch mm. but you sort of find find it on stage I mean I it's slightly more challenging to get that consistent thing I think sometimes when, if you're in the UK once you've got the audience you've got them you know and they're with you but they were sometimes a bit more like you've got them and then you don't but then you got them again and then there's <laughs> The funniest thing was I, I I did this I used to do quite a bit of stuff about snooker but I had this routine in my show this year about all the different ways you can waste your time in life and one of them is when I went and watched the snooker in in Sheffield and I was just going about what a waste of time it was and I could have watched it on TV and stuff and this Chinese guy came up to the end looking really crestfallen going why did you criticise snooker? <laughs> like he was like because mm. quite a lot of Chinese people into snooker in a big in a big way. Like I mean, if you play pool with them, they're watching snooker on their phone while playing pool with you. You never know though what they're going to like and not like. Yeah, yeah. A, a teacher of mine at school once said to me, "The thing is, Stephen, everyone's all the same and they're all different." And that is actually mm-hmm. the, the struggle with stand up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's to find that thing that people will connect with, but also is unique enough that not everyone's saying it. That's true. And if you can fix it, if you, if you can work that out, it's easy. Yeah. I'm going to run a comedy course and that's all I'm going to tell people. <laughs> Just keep repeating that. All you need to do is do something that nobody else has done before but everyone will instinctively get in all cultures and languages. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll be £100, please. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, as your career, your entire uh, yeah. worldwide international comedy career is sorted. What else are you working on now? You working, do, you, do you just just comedy or are you like to do any little bit of uh, other bits of acting here or are you looking to do any other TV stuff? So I know you did the um, alternative comics. Yeah, I mean, the moment I've got that, I'm kind of... Uh, planning to, to record a DVD so I'm sort of organising that at the moment and sort of scouting for venues and mm. uh, you know sorting out people that will film it and stuff but I'm I mean I'm also kind of in the writing at the moment uh, I think because I've been on tour I want to get back into writing and mm. writing some uh, some sitcom ideas and drama as well I want to become a Netflix billionaire billionaire yeah <laughs> I mean I just want to have like you know the Wire or something. Stephen Carlin's The Wire. Something, yeah. something. Not The Wire, but like that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the thing is now. Yeah. Uh, Stephen the Vampire Slayer. But whatever, I'd quite like to have something that's lasting. You know what I mean? Yeah, like stand up's yeah. great, but it's mm. gone in the moment. It's like it's smoke up a chimney. Yeah. If the best gigs are just, you had to have been there, uh-huh. and most of you weren't. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> most of you were not there. And even if you video it, it's not quite the same. But I think I'd like some uh, narrative piece, not necessarily mm. comedy, possibly, but also drama, yeah. comedy drama, dramedy comma, yeah, dramedy, crama. There's dramedy and there's also comedy drama, oh. and I don't know what the difference is. Oh. Just isn't isn't there? Uh, yeah. Do you write every day? Not every day. I try to, but I don't think I write every day. But I maybe write like five days a week or something. Yeah. And is it like do you have to do it before you, you like? For the tea, or just like get the pot of tea, this pot of tea here. No, there's nothing happens before I get caffeine in my system. I mean, I am genuinely addicted to caffeine. I mean, if I don't have caffeine in the morning, mm. I will have a headache yeah. and I won't be able to think. So I think I'm pretty addicted. But I mean, I've been drinking tea since I was two, three or something. I mean, I've been drinking every day of my life. I've never not had caffeine. I mean, I just. So then you had like so pot of tea then, and then start writing, or just like you know what do you do? Do you have to trick yourself? 
Yeah, I think, well, the thing is, if I sat and went, oh, I've got a whole day to write, I just waste it, so I can't think of it like that. I have to go, right, just do half an hour writing, Steve. Just that's what you need to do. And I think if I do that, you usually get in it, you do an hour or two hours. But I just, it's just more of just going, just do a bit now, rather than you have to do it all day. I say it bit by bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. Incremental, rather than just like fucking, like days of just, oh, fuck, I've got all this shit, I need to put, get in order. Mm. You know, and then you just start to hate it. Fatal, I think. It becomes a chore then. I think, I think, mm. yeah, I just do little, little bite sizes all the time. Mm. Don't know, maybe some people blitz it and that's the way to do it as well. I'd love to get in the zone, but I've never really got in the zone for that long. I mean, if I can get two hours done, I mean that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, some people can they write eight hours? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they? No, I think. What about these like Ernest Hemingway and and F. Scott Fitzgerald and all these people that were just massive drinkers? And, yeah. and is the secret to just sort of get a thousand words done by lunchtime and then get hammered? I don't know. Yeah, they yeah, kind of try to a gig. <laughs> you know, where can we find you, Stephen? What, comedy-wise? Yeah, like uh, your online and all that sort of stuff. Your yeah, I've got my website, thisstephencarlin.com. I've got clips on YouTube as well. And the gig list will be up on my website. Yeah. I've got my Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I'm really with it, you know. Like I'm really <laughs> yeah. Instagram and shit as well. You got the I'm Instagram. not on Instagram, no. No, no just or, like, not into... Not, not, not I'm not on any social media at all. If I couldn't... If you could get away with not doing it, I wouldn't do it at all. But Same. I think I've... Yeah. Same if I could like I'm the same. Just trying to if I if I could create a program that could just go could go mm. onto Facebook and then strip all of the comedy contacts from mm. it into a fucking Excel document, mm. which I could then use. I would fucking make I would script that and fucking sell that fucker, yeah. and then it would just fund fund me to do everything else. Because mm. I think that 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 would be a great program to have, wouldn't it? Like just a little script. Go okay, but want all the, the everything from Facebook like that, and then mm. into an Excel. I think that's a good idea. It'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> hey, wouldn't that be handy? Do you think? Be just, okay, there's the name of the person. Yeah, fine. There's the fucking email address. One email, bomb. <laughs> <laughs> All the admin done. Yeah, for yeah. Like, you know, for like six months, every six months, say. Eh? <laughs> that'd be an idea. I don't know, that's an idea. I might delete that because I think someone can write that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, Stephen, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for inviting me to your You're welcome. It's been a really, pleasure. I enjoyed it, man. Uh, but so, have you got any uh, big gig coming up apart from your DVD, or is that should be on the website and all that? Well, that yeah, I mean that'll be on the the website near the time once once I get it uh, recorded and stuff. Do you know the name of your uh, album yet? You've got you could have been no, I don't shaffing around ideas yet. Don't I don't even know what's going to be in it. Like I need to think what material I'm going to include and what I'm not going to include. So I've got no idea what it's going to make the final draft. Yeah, so or just maybe the final draft. <laughs> That's massively pretentious, isn't it? Though? Blithering scum. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Man. It was great. You're welcome. And that was episode 65 of the Comedy Defect podcast. Hope you enjoyed that one. That was with the very funny comedian Stephen Carlin. He's brilliant. If you ever see him right on a bill somewhere, make sure you get yourself a ticket because he is just such a great comedian. He is so inventive. He's written like probably written another two shows since this has been released. So yeah, Stephen Carlin, go check his website out, see where his live dates are. Get yourself a ticket. Get your ass down that venue. Very funny man. If you like this podcast, you can review us. We go to iTunes or Podbean. And like if you didn't like it, that's fine. Just you can just listen to another podcast. You don't have to take the time to give us a negative review. Like we, we haven't done anything to you. You just have to you have the choice. You can stop listening. <laughs>
that's fine. I'm going to still do it. You know, I enjoy doing it. Now I've got the time. So, or you could like buy me a pint or whenever you see me, you could give me a fiver or whatever the price of a pint is in that area. It doesn't have to be a fiver. You know, a couple of quid is nice. It's happened a few times. People have come up to me and put money in my hand and it's nice. I've, I've, paid for new sound equipment all the stuff i've been selling around the place uh, and i'm not talking about drugs trying to just downsize everything i've been putting towards the sound equipment and like just to make, give it a little bit of a just a nicer feel to the podcast i hope you like it let me know if you do if you want to donate you can you can go to patreon patreon at the comedy defect podcast that's the patreon you could donate as little or as much as you want, if you feel like it. If not, I'm still going to do it. It's fine. That's this week's podcast. Stephen Carlin. Go find him on Facebook. Like his page. Go and see him live. He's a brilliant comedian. You can follow this podcast on Twitter. We're on Twitter at The Comedy Defect. We're on Facebook. Go like the page. You can like my page, which is at Winter Dominus now. You can message me. I will answer pretty quickly. If you want to message me about the podcast, or you'd like to come on, or suggest people that you think I should interview, you can message me at a Gmail account, which is thecomedydefect at gmail.com. That's thecomedydefect at gmail.com. And that's it for this week's podcast. That was episode 65 with a brilliant Stephen Carlin. Review us, like us, follow us, do all that kind of stuff. Next month, we've got another comedian, very funny, Lynn Ruth Miller. Uh, Such a joy to talk to her. That is for October's podcast, the last Wednesday of the month. We're back in business, guys. We'll see you for episode 66 with Lynn Ruth Miller.